0: you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com WW2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity. As dawn broke on the 13th of December, 1862, a thick fog blanketed the landscape, obscuring the sleepy town of Fredericksburg, Virginia. The tranquility of the chilly morning belied the tension that thrummed in the air, a tension that forecasted the calamitous events about to unfold. By the end of this fateful day, Fredericksburg would become the site of one of the most catastrophic battles in the American Civil War, an event etched deeply into the fabric of American history. The years leading up to this battle had been marred by a bitter and increasingly volatile political climate. The Union and the Confederacy, their ideological differences stoked by a mix of politics and emotion, found themselves in a violent dance of dominance. The generals who led their armies were no mere bystanders in this dance. Union General Ambrose Burnside, a distinguished and imposing figure, was known for his aggressive tactics and steadfast determination. Across the divide, Confederate General Robert E. Lee, a man of deep conviction and strategic brilliance, commanded the respect and loyalty of his men. Fredericksburg, a charming town on the banks of the Rappahannock River, unwittingly found itself thrust into the spotlight. Its strategic location made it a target for both armies, setting the stage for a battle that would test the mettle of both the Union and the Confederacy. The Battle of Fredericksburg was not merely an encounter of armies, it was a clash of wills, a testament to human courage and determination. It was a turning point that sent ripples across the country influencing the tactics and outcomes of future battles. Its legacy continues to echo in the annals of American history, reminding us of the price of war and the resilience of the human spirit. As we delve into the events leading up to this battle, the battle itself, and its aftermath, we'll uncover the stories of the men who fought there, the decisions that define the battle, and its lasting impact on a nation torn asunder. Chapter 1. Introduction and Background the road to the Battle of Fredericksburg was fraught with turbulence, but to truly understand the roots of this conflict, we must venture further back in time, to a nation divided and on the precipice of a devastating war. In the early 1860s, tension simmered between the northern and southern states over matters of state rights and, more crucially, the contentious issue of slavery. Two leaders emerged, each embodying the ideals and hopes of their side. For the North, it was President Abraham Lincoln, a figure of resolve and integrity. A self-made man from humble beginnings, Lincoln bore the weight of a nation teetering on the brink. He was steadfast in his mission, to preserve the Union at all costs, even if it meant war. Meanwhile, in the South, the equally resolute Jefferson Davis, the Confederacy's first and only president, was set to protect Southern society and its dependence on a slave-based economy. The son of a Revolutionary War soldier, Davis viewed the Southern cause as a continuation of the fight for independence. As the political arena played out this great drama, on the military front, things were coming to a boil. In November 1862, Lincoln turned to Major General Ambrose Burnside to command the Army of the Potomac hoping that a fresh leadership would shift the tides of war in the Union's favor. Burnside, although reluctant, took the reins from his predecessor, George B. McClellan. An experienced officer known for his distinctive facial hair, his style coined the term sideburns. Burnside possessed an air of undeniable determination. Yet, little did he know that his decision to accept command would lead him to one of the Civil War's most challenging battlefields, Fredericksburg. Meanwhile, the Confederates had a commander of their own who was quietly, efficiently making his mark on the war. Robert E. Lee, a man whose name was becoming synonymous with the Southern cause, had been appointed to lead the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia earlier that year. With a calm demeanor and a razor-sharp strategic mind, Lee had already proven himself a formidable adversary. These men, each representing a different vision of America's future, were unknowingly heading towards a collision course. The town of Fredericksburg would be the backdrop of their encounter, a town that held strategic significance due to its position halfway between the Union capital of Washington, DC, and the Confederate capital of Richmond. As 1862 drew to a close, the stage was set for a confrontation that would reverberate through history. In the shadows of the brewing storm, two figures came to prominence. On one side was the Union's newly appointed leader, Major General Ambrose Burnside, a man of size and stature, his face adorned with the side-whiskers that would eventually lend their name to the term sideburns. On the other side stood the Confederate General Robert E. Lee, a seasoned military tactician with a calm demeanor and an unwavering resolve. Both were destined to play pivotal roles in the unfolding drama. Born and raised in Indiana. Burnside was a man of humble beginnings. His early life had been filled with trials and tribulations, as he worked as a tailor's apprentice before managing to secure a place at the United States Military Academy at West Point. From then on, his rise through the military ranks was steady, marked by a blend of ambition and diligence. By the time he took command of the Army of the Potomac, Burnside had already shown a flair for bold and imaginative strategies although not always to successful ends. Burnside, while not possessing the innate confidence of some of his contemporaries, was a soldier's soldier. His men respected him for his straightforward manner and his willingness to share in their hardships. His approach was direct, and his planning often ambitious, sometimes too ambitious for the complex realities of war. Still, he shouldered the burden of leadership with unflinching determination, ready to face whatever lay ahead. Meanwhile, in the Southern camp, the ascendance of Robert E. Lee to command the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia had been met with widespread approval. Born to a prominent Virginia family, Lee was a West Point graduate who had served with distinction in the Mexican-American War. Although he had initially opposed secession, when his home state of Virginia joined the Confederacy, Lee felt compelled to follow. In contrast to Burnside's imposing presence, Lee had a reserved and contemplative demeanor. He was known for his meticulous planning, and his ability to anticipate enemy movements became legendary. His successes had earned him the deep respect of his men and the confidence of President Jefferson Davis. It was this quiet, strategic brilliance that Lee brought to Fredericksburg as he prepared to face Burnside. As the two generals marshaled their forces, They remained unaware of how decisively their paths were about to cross. Each represented a different vision of America, a vision they were prepared to defend with their lives. As the year 1862 began to fade, these two key players moved ever closer to their rendezvous at Fredericksburg. Their strategies and decisions would shape not only the outcome of the impending battle but the course of the Civil War itself. As the winter of 1862 approached, the quaint town of Fredericksburg found itself unwittingly thrust onto center stage. Its location along the Rappahannock River and the Richmond, Fredericksburg and Potomac Railroad made it a strategic jewel, a point of interest for both the Union and the Confederacy. As the Union army advanced, the townsfolk began to feel a ripple of unease. The cobblestone streets, once filled with the ordinary bustle of life, grew quiet. Men discussed in hushed tones at the town's market, while mothers whispered worried prayers in their candlelit homes. Their town, once a symbol of peace and tranquility, was about to become a battleground. Burnside, ever the strategist, saw the potential advantages of taking Fredericksburg. It was an ideal staging ground for an attack on Richmond, the Confederate capital, just about fifty miles away. With firm resolve, he ordered his men to march towards Fredericksburg, where they would cross the Rappahannock River under the protection of pontoon bridges. But Burnside wasn't the only one eyeing Fredericksburg. Lee, always one step ahead, anticipated the Union's move. With quiet determination, he directed his troops to the high ground behind the town, on Mary's Heights, transforming the sleepy town of Fredericksburg into a fortified stronghold. The townsfolk watched with a growing sense of trepidation as Confederate soldiers dug trenches, erected barricades, and set up artillery positions. Their home had become a fortress, and they could do nothing but wait for the Union Army's arrival. As days turned into weeks, the anticipation of the upcoming confrontation weighed heavily on everyone involved. The once peaceful town was now a chessboard with Burnside and Lee as the players, each waiting for the right moment to make their move. Amidst the brewing tension, the crisp air of Fredericksburg was thick with a sense of inevitable conflict. As December 13 dawned, the final act of this grand drama was about to begin. Chapter 2. The Tensions Rise Winter had started to grip the landscape as Burnside led his Union army down the road to Fredericksburg. As far as the eye could see, thousands of soldiers marched, their breath frosting in the cold air. The normally vibrant colors of autumn had been replaced with a carpet of crunching leaves underfoot, while the trees stood like stark sentinels witnessing the marching army. Burnside, atop his horse, cut a figure of quiet resolve. His mind was a storm of thoughts. He understood the importance of his mission and the burden of the task he had undertaken, His strategy hinged on a swift advance and a rapid crossing of the Rappahannock River. He planned to seize Fredericksburg and use it as a base for a further push toward Richmond. However, plans on paper often falter in the face of reality. A significant setback occurred when the pontoon bridges, crucial for the Union Army's crossing of the river, arrived late due to logistical issues. This unexpected delay gave Lee time to fortify his positions and prepare for the Union advance. Despite the setback, Burnside didn't waver. His confidence served as a beacon for his men, many of whom were far from home, facing the harsh winter and the uncertainty of battle. The army of the Potomac pressed on, driven by the belief in their cause and their trust in Burnside's leadership. As the Union soldiers neared Fredericksburg, they could see the Confederate flag fluttering over the town, a stark reminder of the fierce opposition they were about to encounter. The sight of the town, nestled beside the Rappahannock River, stirred a myriad of emotions among the men. Some felt a sense of dread, others a burning determination. Meanwhile, on the horizon, the Confederate forces were ready and waiting. Lee, ever the composed commander, surveyed the landscape from his vantage point on Mary's Heights. The stage was set, and the curtain was about to rise on one of the most intense battles of the American Civil War. As the Union army drew closer, the road to Fredericksburg was nearing its end, and the bloody battle was on the brink of commencing. In stark contrast to the chaotic urgency on the Union side, the Confederate camp was the epitome of disciplined anticipation. Their leader, Robert E. Lee, stood overlooking the town of Fredericksburg from the heights, his gaze scanning the horizon where the Union forces would soon appear. While Burnside was a whirlwind of movement and orders, Lee exuded a calm and thoughtful demeanor. His mind was a wellspring of strategy and tactics. Recognizing the importance of Fredericksburg's strategic location, he had wisely decided to fortify the high ground. From his position on Mary's Heights, Lee had a clear view of the entire town and the vast, open plain of the Rappahannock River that lay in front of it. It was a perfect vantage point from which to launch a defensive. Lee knew the terrain was in his favor. Any Union attack would have to cross the river and then charge up the hill, a daunting task under direct artillery fire. He trusted his men, the seasoned soldiers of the Army of Northern Virginia, who had so far proved their mettle in battle after battle their loyalty to the cause and their faith in their commander were unwavering as lee awaited the union's advance he was far from idle he ordered his men to dig trenches and construct stone walls transforming the scenic hillside into an impenetrable fortress his artillery was positioned perfectly to command the field of battle ready to rain iron upon the advancing union soldiers Despite his preparation and strategic advantage, Lee knew the battle would be hard fought. He had no illusions about the challenges his army would face. The Union forces outnumbered the Confederates, and they were well equipped and led by a determined commander. However, Lee had faith in the courage and resilience of his soldiers. As he looked out from Mary's heights, the air thick with the promise of impending battle, Lee couldn't help but feel a solemn sense of anticipation. He knew that every decision he made, every order he gave, could tip the balance of the war. As the sun dipped below the horizon, casting long shadows over Fredericksburg, Lee steeled himself for the fight that was to come. The chess game was about to begin, and he was ready to make his move. As the Union army drew closer, the atmosphere in Fredericksburg became increasingly tense. The days leading up to the battle were akin to the unnerving calm that often precedes a thunderstorm. People went about their daily routines, but a palpable sense of unease hung in the air. The Confederate soldiers, in their grey uniforms, were a common sight in the town. Men prepared their weapons, polished their bayonets, and tended to their horses with a sense of quiet purpose. The once cheerful taverns were now filled with solemn faces while the townsfolk offered prayers at the local church, seeking solace in their faith during these uncertain times. On Mary's Heights, Lee's men worked tirelessly, strengthening their fortifications. They built trenches and stone walls, readying themselves for the storm they knew was coming. Despite the looming threat, morale was high among the Confederate soldiers. They had faith in Lee and their camaraderie was a testament to their shared determination to defend their position, their homes, and their way of life. Meanwhile, across the Rappahannock River, the Union camp was a hive of activity. Despite the chill of winter, Burnside's men busied themselves preparing for the battle. The delay in the arrival of the pontoon bridges had given them some unexpected downtime. Soldiers cleaned their rifles, checked their ammunition, and wrote letters home, their thoughts filled with the loved ones they had left behind. Despite the chill, campfires dotted the landscape around which soldiers gathered, sharing stories, laughter, and hopes for the future. Amid the camaraderie, there was a growing sense of resolve. They were here for a purpose, driven by a belief in the Union cause, and they were ready to fight. As the days passed, anticipation gave way to inevitability. The people of Fredericksburg, the Confederate soldiers on the heights, and the Union forces across the river all understood that a significant clash was imminent. The stakes were high, and the tension was nearly tangible. Finally, as dawn broke on December 13, 1862, the waiting was over. The day of the battle had arrived. A hush fell over Fredericksburg, The calm before the storm. The stage was set, the players in place, and the Battle of Fredericksburg was about to begin. Chapter 3 The Battle Unleashed On the chilly morning of December 11, the Union Army, led by Major General Burnside, stood on the banks of the Rappahannock River, ready to cross over to Fredericksburg. The long-awaited pontoon bridges had finally arrived and Union engineers braved the icy waters to begin the arduous task of building the bridges. While they worked, Confederate sharpshooters holed up in the houses of Fredericksburg took aim. Their relentless gunfire made progress painfully slow, adding to the difficulty of the endeavor. Burnside's plan for a swift crossing was already faltering. Despite the danger, Union engineers persisted. The sharp crack of rifles echoed across the water as the men gritted their teeth and continued their work. Each hammer stroke against the wooden planks echoed their determination to press forward. Seeing the struggle, Burnside made a critical decision. He ordered a massive artillery barrage on the town, hoping to silence the Confederate sharpshooters. Fredericksburg shook under the onslaught as Union cannons roared, sending clouds of smoke billowing into the winter sky but the Confederates were tenacious. Even under heavy bombardment, their sharpshooters continued to resist, a testament to their stubborn resolve. It was only when Union infantry managed to complete a downstream crossing and flush the sharpshooters out that progress on the main bridges could continue unhindered. As the bridges neared completion, a feeling of quiet trepidation settled over the Union ranks. Crossing the river meant stepping directly into the line of fire. They would be vulnerable, a fact each soldier knew all too well. But their orders were clear, and their duty was undeniable. Finally, by late afternoon, the bridges were complete. Burnside's blue-coated soldiers began to cross the Rappahannock under the cover of their artillery, entering the town of Fredericksburg. Their march was met with eerie silence. The town seemingly deserted after the devastating bombardment. As the last rays of the sun disappeared on December 11, Fredericksburg was in Union hands. But this was just the first move in a high-stakes chess game. The real battle was yet to come, lurking on the horizon with the dawn of December 13. Little did they know that their toughest challenge still awaited them on the heights overlooking the town. As dawn broke on December 13th, a heavy fog blanketed Fredericksburg. It provided a brief, eerie calm before the storm of battle. However, the tranquility was short-lived. With the town under Union control, the stage was set for the true confrontation, the fight for Mary's Heights. Overlooking the town, the Heights were a formidable defensive position. Confederate soldiers were entrenched behind a stone wall atop the hill, their artillery perfectly placed to command the fields below. Lee watched the unfolding events from his perch on Telegraph Hill, confident yet solemn. The Union assault began mid-morning, wave after wave of blue-coated soldiers advancing on the Confederate position. They marched with steadfast determination, a blue tide washing over the open field, their bayonets gleaming in the sunlight. However as they neared the stone wall, the Confederates opened fire. It was a chilling display of power and precision. Cannons roared, filling the air with smoke and the line of whizzing shells. The Confederate infantry behind the wall unleashed a hail of bullets, their volleys decimating the Union ranks. Yet, in the face of this deadly storm, the Union soldiers pressed on. Each wave that fell was replaced by another, a testament to their courage and resolve. The field became a grim tableau of fallen soldiers, the green grass stained a chilling red. Throughout the day, Burnside persisted with his attacks, hoping to break through the Confederate defenses. He seemed to believe that one more push, one more wave, could turn the tide. But each charge was met with the same devastating barrage of Confederate fire. Amidst the chaos and carnage, Stories of heroism emerged. One was that of Sergeant Richard Kirkland, a Confederate soldier who risked his life to bring water to wounded Union soldiers in the field, earning him the title Angel of Mary's Heights. These acts of humanity amidst the bloodshed offered a poignant contrast to the brutality of war. As night fell, the battle finally subsided. Mary's Heights remained in Confederate hands, the stone wall becoming a symbol of their steadfast defense. The field below told a somber story of the day's events, a tragic testament to the Union's relentless but ultimately futile attempts to seize the heights. The Battle of Fredericksburg had witnessed one of the most lopsided Confederate victories of the Civil War, largely due to the bloodbath on Mary's Heights. As the smoke cleared and the echoes of gunfire faded, the full cost of the day's battle became achingly apparent. As darkness descended on December 13th, the battlefield fell eerily quiet. The deafening sound of cannon fire, the chilling echoes of rifles, and the anguished cries of the wounded gave way to an uneasy silence. The once green fields of Mary's Heights were now a scarred landscape, bearing the devastating impact of the day's battle. In the town below, Fredericksburg lay in the shadow of war. Buildings were marred by cannon fire, streets littered with debris. Yet amidst the destruction, there was a spark of resilience. The townsfolk, who had taken shelter during the battle, slowly emerged, taking in the changes their home had endured. The night was bitterly cold, but fires from the battlefield cast an eerie glow over the scene. In the Union camp, the mood was somber. General Burnside was left to reckon with the loss. His vision of a swift, decisive victory had evaporated, replaced by the bitter taste of defeat. Despite the casualties, the general's determination was unwavering. He considered renewing the assault the next day, still clinging to the hope of breaking through the Confederate defenses. However, his subordinates, witnessing the day's slaughter, urged caution. Across the river, in the Confederate camp, there was a different atmosphere. Despite the hardship and exhaustion, spirits were high. They had held their ground against the Union onslaught, their lines unbroken. General Lee's strategy had proven successful. His gamble, using the terrain to his advantage, had paid off, turning Mary's heights into a bulwark against Union advances. But even in victory, there was no celebration. Lee, ever the stoic leader, showed no signs of triumph. His thoughts were with his men, the brave soldiers who had defended Mary's heights so fiercely. He was all too aware that every victory in this war came with a hefty price. As December 14 dawned, a standoff ensued. Both sides were at a stalemate. Burnside, unwilling to accept defeat, kept his men in position while lee remained steadfast on the heights the battle of fredericksburg had ended but its impact was only beginning to be felt the events of this tragic day would reverberate through the remainder of the civil war the echoes of the guns of fredericksburg a grim reminder of the true cost of conflict chapter 4 the aftermath in the wake of the battle major general burnside was a figure marked by profound regret the grand plan he had envisioned The decisive victory he sought over the Confederates had ended in defeat. In his tent, amid maps and dispatches, the weight of the loss lay heavily upon his shoulders. Burnside was a man of courage and resolve, admired by his men for his honesty and straightforwardness. He had taken command of the Union army reluctantly, always maintaining that he was not the right man for the job. Yet, when duty called, he stepped up. However, the failure at Fredericksburg had shaken him. Staring at the maps, he replayed the battle in his mind, questioning each decision. His strategy to seize Fredericksburg swiftly, his delay waiting for the pontoon bridges, his relentless assaults on the well-defended Mary's Heights, each had seemed the right choice at the time, but in retrospect, they appeared as grave missteps. He held himself responsible for the loss, and most painfully, For the lives that had been sacrificed. The sight of Union soldiers advancing bravely in the face of certain death, their courage undimmed even as they fell, was etched in his memory. His heart ached with the knowledge that his orders had led them into the devastating crossfire. The night after the battle, Burnside made a startling decision. Racked with guilt, he offered to resign his commission. He felt he had failed his men, his mission, in his country. The humble general was ready to step down, believing that perhaps a more capable leader could achieve what he could not. However, President Lincoln, aware of Burnside's honest self-criticism and his popularity among the troops, declined his resignation. The president urged him to press on, recognizing that the journey to victory in a conflict as complex as the Civil War was bound to be fraught with setbacks. In the end, Burnside stayed in command, carrying with him the lessons and regrets from Fredericksburg. He emerged from the battle a changed leader, his spirit tempered by loss but unbroken, his resolve to fight for the Union cause undiminished. General Robert E. Lee, commanding the Confederate forces, was a man of deep reflection and shrewd military insight. The days following the Battle of Fredericksburg found him evaluating the events, extracting lessons, and planning future strategies. From his vantage point on Telegraph Hill, Lee had watched the battle unfold. He had witnessed the bravery of his soldiers as they held their ground against repeated Union assaults. He had seen the carnage on the field, a painful testament to the ferocity of the conflict. Though victory was theirs, the joy of it was muted by the staggering cost. Lee was a meticulous strategist his decision to fortify Mary's heights had proven a masterstroke, turning the terrain into a natural fortress that blunted the Union attack. Yet, he did not see the victory as a testament to his strategic prowess alone but as a reflection of the courage and resilience of his men, who had defended their position with unyielding resolve. In the quiet that followed the battle, Lee analyzed the Union's strategy. He considered Burnside's relentless attacks, his decision to assault the well-defended heights, and his delay in moving after crossing the Rappahannock. While he acknowledged his opponent's mistakes, he also recognized the courage with which the Union soldiers had fought. The Battle of Fredericksburg, though a Confederate victory, had also demonstrated the Union's willingness to endure significant losses for their cause. Lee understood that the battle had changed the course of the war. It had boosted Confederate morale giving hope to the soldiers and the southern home front. Yet, he was aware that one victory did not guarantee ultimate success. The war was far from over, and the Union, despite the setback, remained a formidable opponent. Unlike many, Lee did not revel in the victory. He grieved for the lives lost on both sides, stating, It is well that war is so terrible, otherwise we should grow too fond of it. His somber reflection underscored his understanding of war's true cost and his longing for a peaceful resolution. As the Confederate leader assessed the outcome of the Battle of Fredericksburg, he remained resolute, prepared for the challenges ahead. Though marked by the tragedy of war, he was committed to his duty, his resolve bolstered by the belief in the cause he served. In the aftermath of the Battle of Fredericksburg, the toll of the conflict became agonizingly clear the battlefield was a stark panorama of destruction, a chilling testament to the savage intensity of the day's fight. Across the fields and on the slopes of Mary's Heights, Union soldiers lay fallen, their blue uniforms a stark contrast against the blood-stained earth. The Confederates, though victorious, had not escaped unscathed, with many of their number also among the casualties. The cost in human lives was a somber reminder of the true price of war. Yet, amidst the desolation, the human spirit persevered. Surgeons, medics, and ordinary soldiers turned into makeshift caregivers, tending to the wounded on both sides. Field hospitals sprouted up in tents, buildings, and open spaces filled with the groans of the injured and the tireless activity of their caretakers. One poignant tale that emerged from the battlefield was of Richard Roland Kirkland a Confederate sergeant from South Carolina. Kirkland, unable to ignore the cries of wounded Union soldiers lying helpless on the battlefield, risked enemy fire to bring them water and comfort. His brave and compassionate act earned him the nickname Angel of Mary's Heights, a beacon of humanity amidst the brutality of war. The town of Fredericksburg too bore the scars of battle. Buildings were shattered streets littered with rubble, and the lives of its citizens forever altered. The serene Rappahannock, which had mirrored the peaceful skies just days before, now reflected the grim reality of war-torn Fredericksburg. Even as the initial shock of the battle subsided, the grief lingered. Families both north and south received the heartbreaking news of loved ones lost or maimed the battle had not only left physical wounds but emotional ones that would take much longer to heal. As the days passed, the battlefield, once a place of violent confrontation, was slowly reclaimed by silence and the steady rhythms of nature. Yet, the memory of the Battle of Fredericksburg and its tragic toll lingered, a haunting reminder of a dark chapter in the nation's history. The battlefield's toll was not just in lives lost but also in the lasting impact on those who survived, forever marked by the horrors they had witnessed. Chapter 5. The Broader Impact of the Battle The news of the Union's defeat at Fredericksburg spread across the north, casting a pall over the hopes for a quick end to the war. It was a bitter pill to swallow, particularly as they had recently tasted success at Antietam. President Abraham Lincoln, already burdened by the monumental task of leading the country through its darkest hour, was deeply affected by the loss. In the White House, Lincoln took stock of the situation. He had hoped that Burnside's appointment as head of the Army of the Potomac would bring a fresh, aggressive approach to the Union's military strategy. Yet, Fredericksburg had resulted in a costly failure, the Union's bold attempt at decisive action turning into a tragic misadventure. However, Lincoln knew he could not afford to let despair seep into his leadership. The Union's cause, the preservation of the nation and the abolition of slavery, was too vital. He decided to keep Burnside in command, convinced that the general had learned valuable lessons from the defeat and that his popularity among the troops would bolster their morale. Meanwhile, the northern press was less forgiving. The newspapers were filled with scathing criticisms of the failed assault on Mary's Heights, with some calling for Burnside's removal. The Union public, desperate for victory, began to question the leadership of their military. The defeat at Fredericksburg had not only been a military disaster but had also dealt a severe blow to the North's confidence. Yet, amidst the gloom, the Union's resolve did not waver. Lincoln, ever the beacon of hope, reminded his people of the cause they were fighting for. He reassured them that setbacks, though painful, were part of their journey to victory. The government rallied its resources, preparing for the battles ahead. Burnside, though chastened by the defeat, was eager to prove himself and restore the faith placed in him. As winter gave way to spring, the Union army began to recover from the blow of Fredericksburg. The men, though saddened by the loss of their comrades, were ready to fight. The defeat had been a harsh lesson, but it had also steeled their determination. They understood better the strength of their enemy and the challenges that lay ahead. The Union's response to Fredericksburg, though marked by grief and self-examination, ultimately echoed with resilience and an unbroken spirit the Confederacy's victory at Fredericksburg marked a high point in their struggle for independence. The South, despite being outnumbered and outgunned, had managed to deliver a stunning defeat to the Union forces. This success breathed new life into the Southern cause and created a surge of momentum that Confederate leaders were eager to capitalize on. President Jefferson Davis, leader of the Confederate states, was elated at the news of the victory. The win provided a much-needed boost to Southern morale and served as a validation of their resolve. It also strengthened Davis's faith in General Lee, whose strategy and leadership had been pivotal in securing the victory. Lee, while recognizing the importance of the victory, was pragmatic about its implications. He understood that Fredericksburg was but one battle in a longer war. The Confederate army was still facing significant challenges particularly in terms of resources and manpower. However, the victory gave his troops a renewed confidence in their ability to hold their ground against the Union's might. The Battle of Fredericksburg also ignited a spirit of defiance in the southern populace. The news of the victory spread across the Confederate states, lifting spirits and strengthening their resolve. Despite the hardships caused by the Union's naval blockade and the economic strains of the war, the people of the South rallied behind their army, their faith in the cause rekindled. But there were also Confederate leaders who cautioned against complacency. The likes of General James Longstreet, a key player in the battle, reminded his compatriots that the war was far from over. The Union, despite the setback, Still had significant resources and the will to continue the fight. The Confederacy had won a significant battle, but the war was far from over. Yet, the momentum gained from Fredericksburg would play a crucial role in the months that followed, fueling their determination to resist Union advances and fight for their vision of independence. This momentum, driven by military success and a surge in morale, marked a defining period in the Confederacy's struggle reinforcing their will to continue the fight. In the aftermath of the Battle of Fredericksburg, the civilian populace on both sides of the conflict experienced a wide spectrum of emotions. This was not merely a remote clash of armies, it was a conflict that had torn through their towns, ripped apart families, and fundamentally altered their lives. In Fredericksburg, the residents who had witnessed the battle firsthand were reeling from the shock. Homes had been destroyed, landmarks reduced to ruins, and streets once filled with the bustle of everyday life now bore the grim marks of war. Yet, within the devastation, there was also an undeniable sense of relief. The Confederate victory had saved them from Union occupation, a fear that had loomed large in their minds. But the victory was bittersweet. Many Fredericksburg residents had family members in Lee's army, and though they had won the battle... The cost in lives and injuries was steep. News of loved ones injured or killed came trickling in, each report a fresh wound on their hearts. Despite the victory, the town was a place of mourning, the joy of survival mingled with the grief of loss. Meanwhile, in the north, the news of the defeat was met with shock and disillusionment. The civilian populace, who had been expecting a swift and decisive Union victory, Was left to grapple with the unexpected defeat. In homes across the North, families mourned for the sons, brothers, and fathers who would never return from the fields of Fredericksburg. In contrast, in the southern states far from the battlefield, the news of victory was a welcome relief. The Confederate cause, often besieged and under resourced, had demonstrated its resilience and fighting spirit. The victory brought a surge of hope and bolstered the belief in their cause, providing a morale boost to civilians and soldiers alike. The Battle of Fredericksburg, like all conflicts, was not merely a clash between armies but a seismic event that reverberated through the lives of countless civilians. It brought moments of triumph, hours of terror, and a lifetime of memories that would shape the civilian perspective on the war in profound ways. The civilian experience, in its raw and varied forms, serves as a potent reminder of the far-reaching impact of the war, extending well beyond the battlefield. Chapter 6. The Legacy of Fredericksburg The Battle of Fredericksburg was not just a pivotal event in the Civil War, it was also a stark teacher, imparting lessons that would resonate through the remainder of the conflict. For the Union, the battle underscored the need for strategic caution and thorough planning. The disaster at Fredericksburg could be traced back to Burnside's hasty decision to attack Lee's well-defended position, a decision born out of desperation to land a decisive blow on the Confederacy. The Union command learned the harsh truth that courage and numerical advantage alone could not guarantee victory. They had to understand their enemy, respect the terrain, and plan their strategies accordingly. President Lincoln, ever the astute observer, took these lessons to heart. The defeat underscored the need for a commander who could strategize effectively and understand the dynamics of the Southern forces. These insights would play a significant role in his subsequent decision to appoint Ulysses S. Grant, a man known for his strategic acumen, as the commander of all Union armies. For the Confederacy, Fredericksburg bolstered their defensive war strategy. Lee's decision to hold his ground and force the Union to assault a fortified position proved highly effective. The Confederate leadership learned that taking advantage of terrain and fortifications could offset their disadvantages in manpower and resources. Yet, the battle also underscored the human cost of war. The Confederate victory, as glorious as it was, had been achieved at a high price. Thousands of young men had been lost or injured, a fact that weighed heavily on the Southern command. This would spur a greater emphasis on negotiation and diplomatic efforts to bring about an end to the conflict, even as the war raged on. The lessons from Fredericksburg, harsh as they were, ultimately led to shifts in strategy and approach on both sides of the war. The battle served as a crucible, a place of testing and learning that shaped the course of the Civil War in the years to follow. In the wake of the Battle of Fredericksburg, the landscape of the city bore the scars of conflict, a silent testament to the lives lost and the valor displayed. The battlefield became a hallowed ground, a place of mourning in remembrance for the thousands who had given their lives in the service of their cause. In the north, the families who had lost their loved ones in the battle mourned their loss. Mothers wept for sons they would never see again, wives grieved for husbands who would never return and children were left to wonder why their fathers had to leave. Each loss was a personal tragedy, a story of dreams unfulfilled and lives cut short. The sense of loss was equally profound in the South. Despite their victory, the Confederacy had paid a high price in blood. Every town, every village, had sent its sons to fight in the battle, and many did not return. The grief was universal touching everyone from the richest plantation owner to the poorest farmer. Among those who had fallen was Brigadier General Thomas R. R. Cobb, a prominent Confederate officer and a well-respected figure in Georgia politics. Cobb's death was a significant blow to the Confederacy, one that was felt not just on a military level, but also on a personal level by those who knew and respected him. But in the midst of grief, there was also a deep sense of pride and honor the men who had fallen at Fredericksburg had not done so in vain. They had shown incredible courage and resilience, standing their ground in the face of overwhelming odds. Their sacrifice would be remembered, their stories told and retold, their names etched into the annals of history. In the years that followed, the battlefield at Fredericksburg would become a site of pilgrimage, visited by veterans, families, and history enthusiasts alike. They would come to pay their respects, to remember the fallen, and to reflect on the brutal realities of war. And in doing so, they would ensure that those who had given their lives at Fredericksburg would never be forgotten. As the dust of the Battle of Fredericksburg settled, its historical significance began to take shape. This pivotal confrontation not only shaped the trajectory of the Civil War but also left an indelible mark on the national consciousness of both the Union and the Confederacy. In the larger context of the Civil War, Fredericksburg represented a turning point. It highlighted the costly mistakes of overconfidence and underestimation. For the Union, it marked a low point in their military endeavors, shaking public confidence in their ability to win the war. The failure led to a critical shift in Union strategy, prompting a move towards total war that would eventually bring about the Confederacy's downfall. The Confederacy, on the other hand, drew strength and validation from their victory at Fredericksburg. The successful defensive strategy solidified Robert E. Lee's status as a military genius and further instilled the belief in the possibility of a successful outcome for the South. However, it also bolstered a sense of overconfidence that would contribute to their ultimate defeat, particularly in their ill fated offensive at Gettysburg. Beyond the immediate implications on the war, the Battle of Fredericksburg shaped the character and narrative of the Civil War in public memory. It was a stark reminder of the human cost of war, underscoring the personal sacrifice and loss on both sides. The images of the carnage at Mary's Heights, the valor of the Irish Brigade, and the tragic figure of General Burnside became woven into the tapestry of American history. Lastly, the Battle of Fredericksburg provided vital lessons in leadership and strategy that would go on to influence military thinking in the years to come. It served as a case study in the importance of terrain, defensive positioning, and careful planning lessons that continue to resonate in military academies around the world. Thus, while the Battle of Fredericksburg was but one of many clashes in the Civil War, its impact was far-reaching. Its echoes can be heard in the pages of history books, in the stories passed down through generations, and in the collective memory of a nation forged through the trials of conflict.